This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. And this is our last show for the year. I can't believe how fast this semester has gone, beginning in the end of August, 1st of September, and now we are the end of December. We are so glad that you have taken the option of your listening time to join us this semester as we continue next semester, marching through some ideas about listening for learning and for love. We'll talk about some other great women of the Bible, good women of the Bible, women whose names you would recognize, like Ruth and Sarah. We'll talk about some of those women as we begin the new year together. But we're going to stay on track with our concept of an ever-increasing culture that does not listen to one another. And I hope that the tools that we're offering you are helping you become a better listener. As we conclude this three-show series with I-words, invitation, iteration, and intimacy, today we will talk about intimacy. And you know, as I began to be ready to speak, I paused for a minute or longer and thought, is there something else, Lord, that I can start with besides marriage? Because marriage is the most intimacy um, the scripture calls us to. And, but there really isn't, except that there is this passage in the book of Revelation. It's the, the last book of the Bible. I've never taught Revelation. I suspect I never will. Um, it's very holy and beautiful. There are times when I read it and just weep because of the things that it promises, the rider on the white horse, the thousands of years to come, the rain that is in the future, the rejoicing in heaven over the bride and the groom coming together. But in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 7 or 8, are these words. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty thunder peals crying out, Hallelujah! And the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. To her, it has been granted to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Now that's intimacy. That's intimacy. The marriage of the Lamb. We will be engaged in a marriage celebration with our God. A lot of us are married. A lot of us have experienced some forms of intimacy. And I think only God himself could have designed marriage, taking two genders, genders, 
well, that already starts a big war, right? You're different than me. And then usually we marry somebody who's totally different. If you're an extrovert, you probably married an introvert and vice versa. And then we stand in white dresses and handsome suits in the church before God and people, and we vow that we will live together till death do us part. <laughs> the whole thing, and you look at it in that perspective, it's laughable, isn't it? We still have a story to be told on this show uh, about someone, some couple who I know and love dearly, who made a death do you till they part an essential of what was turning into a hellish nightmare. So what does that intimacy look like, and how does it look to use the word intimacy in other places with God? Now, there are a lot of passages where we see intimate relationships that are not marital relationships. I consider Gabriel and Mary as having a relatively intimate relationship. He may have been an angel, and she may have been a poor young woman, but they they had a conversation like none other in the world ever since before or again. Uh, Gabriel and, and Gabriel and Zechariah and Mary and Elizabeth. These are just conversations about the Christmas story. These are intimate conversations. What woman says to another woman, oh, "My womb has just leapt with life." upon your arrival. Why? Because she has the Lord Jesus in her womb. In the Advent account, Mary surrenders, as a young woman, her yes to God's invitation brought life to the world. Surrendered. I, I, don't, I don't know. I had a daughter. I was a daughter. I, I can't imagine in any scenario, any, and I've tried to imagine that my daughter or myself would recognize an angel, would be a surrendered enough person to say yes, to even say, come in. You know, like the doorbell rings, come in. I don't know, does Gabriel just drop through the ceiling? We're not told these things, but I have a vivid imagination, thanks to the Lord, who helps me to imagine all things which I cannot practically see. Much of my communication with God has to do with my imagination to believe and understand these accounts which change the course of my life. So it seems to me, in some understanding, that these are pieces of an intimate, relational communication, and they're not marital. Intimacy. My husband and I agree that this word is overused. We speak of it often when people say, well, they were trying to be intimate. We're looking for intimate covenant relationships. Christ speaks of the church as the bride and the bridegroom and drawing our attention to the intimacy he thinks of marriage. Intimacy between a husband and wife. And when was the last time you heard the word intimate or intimacy? And it, it's, it's overworked. It's overused. Mary and Joseph came to marriage in an unusual manner. And I, I paused long enough to think about what did intimacy look like to the two of them? 
okay? You know the big buildup, uh, a lot of um, groups have grown up through the years and generations, a promise ring from a father and the daughter would never, and, the, and I'm going to wait for my, and I'm called to be a virgin and I'm called to be pure and to wait until my marriage night. And, you know, there, the, all of these things are found founded in God's best plan for us. I'll never forget a young, he was a nephew, who said, I don't think I want to do that. What do you think, Aunt Donna? And I said, well, all I can tell you is that God's plan makes the best end result. And he, he, I could, it, he didn't actually put his hand to his head and scratch his head, but he, he just thought, hmm. So this doesn't really have so much to do with doing it or not doing it. It has so much to do with if you do it this way, you get a better result. And if you do it that way, it's not such a good result. Ah, and of course, I could foster his question with loads of accounts, loads of accounts. So remember who they are now. Remember where they are. They're Mary and Joseph. They've been through all the things we've been talking about. And they're in a caravan of people traveling to Bethlehem. Does that sound intimate to you? Not in the sense that we think about it. They most likely traveled um, together. They most likely stayed together. He probably was with her all the time because she was subject to ridicule. He was a first-time father. She was a first-time mother. No need to speak of names like couples do these days. You know, let's get a book. Let's check. How about the spelling of the name? What did that belong to? Eight, great, late, late. And we should... Nope. There was none of that because they had already been told what this baby's name was going to be. So what was it they were doing? Well, I think, and I think about this circumstances, that they were bonding. They were having what men and women do far more importantly than the sexual act. They were bonding together. They walked and they talked. He might have had to be protective of her. Mary must have told him what Gabriel said to her. You will bear a son, his name is Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Some of you have been born with mantles on your forehead, you know? It's engraved there, my father was a federal judge, and ah, son, you should be one too. Or my mother did this, and ah, you should be that too. There's no doubt they talked about Gabriel. No doubt they talked about their families, about their relationships, about God about Elizabeth and Zechariah and their story. They no doubt talked about their parents and that these parents were going to be the grandparents of this baby. Now, the distance can be estimated about somewhere between 45 miles and 75 miles. A number of years ago, my husband and I, who have in our marriage life taken many very long thousands of mile road trips, but we took a road trip that was about 7,000 miles, and it was just the two of us, no kids, no grandkids, just the two of us. Yep, we drove the whole way. He drove and I rode, and in the front seat of that car, so many intimate conversations occurred. We had miles and hours I read aloud, we listen to podcasts, we listen to music, we recall stories. It's a very intimate time for the two of us. From Jerusalem to Bethlehem, that's about six or seven miles a day. I've talked about walking the Camino. 
Those of you who have been around, you know that five years ago I was prepared to do that and had my knee go bust and I couldn't go. And I'm talking about it again. And I'm talking about walking 12 to 14 miles a day. That's what I was prepping for when my knee went 12 to 14 miles a day. Are you listening to that? So if they left and if the statistics and the miles and Jesus and mm, they probably walked about a 20-minute mile with a donkey and a pregnant woman. Don't you think the donkey had a name? I, I think... I wouldn't have a little horse or... We name our cars, for crying out loud. I'm sure Donkey had a name, and they felt close to Donkey. They had to feel close to Donkey because Mary's riding on Donkey. And I have to tell you that sometimes I think... I would have probably said to Joseph, I think I'd just rather walk. The idea of being great with child and bumping along on a donkey's back does not appeal to my physicality. Animals in those times were brought in in the night. They were protected. They were like like pets. They were essential to their livelihood, essential to their well-being. A couple of summer, summers ago, our daughter and her family lost their beloved pet. And the first days after their pet passed, everything in their house was thrown off. They're eating, they're sleeping, they're cleaning. Everything was thrown off. And when we start a long road trip, everything's thrown off and we're reorienting ourselves to the car, to food, to the little cooler, which has things in it that we like to munch along the way, to the big cooler that might have something we're going to cook on a grill outdoors somewhere. And then eight days later, they've been talking and walking and bonding, and they are in Bethlehem. (coughs) And then... Eight days after the birth. Did I mention that? Eight days. They're on the donkey again going to Jerusalem. Yes. Yes. That would cause anyone to grimace a bit. About 20 years ago, a spiritual director of mine gave me a word picture as I told her how I longed for more of Christ. I... I was trying to describe what I felt like was ah, a deep desire to be more intimate with Christ. And I've heard and read that that was possible, but I, I, I felt awkward with it. I didn't understand what it was. I didn't, um, I didn't know how to communicate my desire to, to God or understand it in a If I was listening, I wasn't listening enough to understand what he was really trying to tell me. And she gave me this amazing word picture, which has never left my brain. And that is that between a man and a woman, and that is that they are both in their bedroom, in their bed, and they don't have any clothes on. Uh, Intimacy starts with being naked, with with shedding everything that would keep me from being intimate with you. So they are naked. But they're not thinking about creating a new family or touching one another even. They are literally laying in their bed, side by side, not touching, not talking, just being together. When she told that to me, I started to cry. I thought... 
Now, that's, that's intimacy of a nature deep enough that I had no comprehension of it. This is over 20 years ago, but I remembered how it affected me so deeply. It was such a beautiful word picture. Um, you're not thinking about anything. You're not talking about anything. He doesn't have an agenda. She doesn't have an agenda. They're not thinking about what they're going to do tomorrow morning or with the calendar or who set the alarm or any of that. They're just naked together in the same space. And how did that look with me and God? Well, being naked before God seems like a redundant thing because he knows everything. But there is a surrender that happens when we say, I want to take off all this pretense, all these things I think. I want to let you into the brain where heart and person that you already are, but I want to acknowledge that you're there and then begin my time with you from that position instead of a posturing position. No talking, just being together. And it wasn't long after that, I read a book that was written by a businessman who came to love Jesus quite late in his life, quite late in his life. I think he was 67 years old, and he was very zealous for God, very zealous for Jesus. And he wrote a book called Basking in His Presence. I thought it was kind of a basking as kind of an old word, but, but I, I got the book, someone gave it to me or recommended it, and I got the book. And in the front part of the book, there are three or four paragraphs that describe in the church what my spiritual director tried to describe to me. So that was, there's an old woman, I don't know how old, but an older woman, who goes to the church every day. So this has to be a church that's the church doors are open every day. I love that kind of church so people can come and go. Goes every day, and the custodian watches her. And every day, she sits in the same place. She doesn't read because she has no books. She doesn't have a Bible. She's not praying. At least her mouth isn't talking. She's not kneeling. She's just sitting there. And after several months, he cannot stand it anymore. And he goes up to her and he says, I've been watching you. And he tells her what I just told you. And he said, I'm sorry to interrupt. I know I'm interrupting you, but I have to ask you, what are you doing? And she looks up at him and she smiles. And she says, I'm looking at him and he's looking at me. Do you have a sense of that kind of intimacy? A holy intimacy with God himself? He's looking at you, his daughter, his son, his cherished one, the one who he came to this earth to foster and facilitate a plan for life, a plan for life from beginning till end a plan for living with God through all eternity. This is the God that she was looking at. She was looking at him, and he was looking at her, and that is intimacy. Do you have intimate relationships in your life? Are there friends and family who that kind of being together is enough? 
being together is enough. Conversation is enough. It can be unsaid or it can be said. You're naked in your spirit and your soul. You're free to speak honest words without feeling shame or condemnation. Are you that kind of person? Do you invite people into your world where they feel comfortable enough to say anything and everything and they know when they leave that you will not think less of them, that you will pray for them, that you would look forward to being with them again, that you would value their life experiences. Well, that's what intimacy really is. And I think I speak for all of mankind. I really believe that we are all in search of that. And at this Christmas time, my prayer for all of us is that we would search and seek and find intimate places with God, quiet places, alone places, places that there isn't anything else but the opportunity to look at him and let him look at you. Thank you so much for joining us during this Christmas season. I pray that the blessings of Christmas and all of the activities and church programs, Bible studies, that each piece of music would ring true to your heart that would cause you to be drawn to the intimacy of relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're Modern Homemakers, and I'm Don Otto. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day and year of creating intense intimacy with Jesus.